Welcome to the Raw Podcast. Come with us as we pave the way for an inspired life. We get raw and real about the things. And share tangible strategies for your own personal growth. And success. With Jenny, Shelly, and Sarah. Come on! Are you coming? Let's do this. Welcome to the Raw Podcast, where we discover success through sisterhood. Each week, we come together to have authentic conversations that will supercharge your healing and personal growth. Through inspirational guests and raw stories, we help you own your past and create your future. Today, we are going to be talking to Sarah Bakrati, our fellow co-creator of Hula Hope, alongside Jenny and I. We are joined in the studio and welcome our sister, Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. Sarah's always in the studio with us. (laughs) But we are so glad that we are interviewing you today because you have such an amazing story. And we decided that as a team, we should interview each other just to get a little more information about ourselves out and why we're here and why we're on this journey together. Taking turn in the hot seat. Yes. Getting raw. Let's get raw. raw. Wanting to start to talk about your raw story. What is your raw story? How did you get to where you are today? And well, it started off in Sweden. So I actually grew up in Sweden as this blonde, freckled-faced, blue-eyed girl. And I've always been super quiet and shy. And that's kind of been my theme and probably one of my things that I was supposed to figure out while I'm here. Um, So I really grew up. We had a lot of great times. Like we had... We skied and we sailed a lot and we did who, a lot of things. Who is we? How many? Do you have siblings? So I grew up the oldest of three and my mom was home with us a lot and my dad was very busy. So I didn't see him very much and I actually feel like some of the pressure probably came from him and I've always been this person that needed to stay in my own space and like don't ruffle any feathers mm-hmm. don't upset anybody just mm-hmm. do what you're supposed to do and follow the rules and you're fine and as like the big sister you had you know that yes. kind of responsibility yeah. and then yes. really yeah. having to be the oldest child that has to like set the example and be that way kind of yeah, yeah. the typical yeah oldest, oldest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. always making sure everybody else was okay mm-hmm. which is the other part of my story I think is this need to people please Mm -hmm. and I think I picked up on an early age what other people felt and needed and I thought I was supposed to be that one to fulfill all those things so put everybody else first yeah which is behind yeah which has been my thing it's been my thing to always make sure everybody around me was okay and I forgot about me Mm -hmm. and the same thing happened as a mom You know, now I'm a mom of four, Mm -hmm. and for a long time, I didn't know how to take care of myself. Well, that was like your identity. Yeah. That's all you are, is a mom of four. Yeah. Who is Sarah? Right. (laughs) Who is she? I resonate with your story so much, Sarah. Yeah. I know. I think that we all probably have some pieces that we all feel parallel lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. So I was in Sweden until I was about 16. And it took me a long time to find my groove. I think once I got into seventh and eighth grade is when I started to find friends that I felt like I could be myself around. And it turns out I'm quite silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm actually Lovely. kind of a, like a goofy, a goofy person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever felt allowed to be that mm-hmm. until I found those friends. So when we moved to Florida, it was really rough. And that was when you were 16? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was 16. And actually my whole family left Christmas time. And I somehow talked my dad into staying for six months. I came up with this whole thing that, Dad, I need to stay through ninth grade and get my final grade. So it'll be way easier to transfer into 10th grade. And I don't know why he listened to me. Wow. But he did. You were convincing. Why did your family move to Florida? My dad got a job. He's always had this... Um, he grew up as a small town boy and he just wanted out. Mm -hmm. And I think he saw an opportunity to jump ships, jump companies, and give us, he wanted to give us more than he had, I think. Mm-hmm. Even though we had, a, we had a lot, we had a really good childhood and we did a lot of things. Yeah. So we ended up in Florida, culture shock. Yeah. It was crazy. 
And so I can't imagine being like, you know, 16, you're in going into high school. I had my first boyfriend. Yeah. I had to leave him. Yeah. I was just going to say just that angst. Like you could imagine a kid having to move just even schools, like even Mm. within the state or something and how stressful and intense that is and much less moving to a different country language barrier, mm. leaving boyfriend, leaving friends, leaving, ah, it's crazy. Leaving everything that I finally figured out that I was, my identity, like I finally finding myself a little bit mm-hmm. and then having to be ripped up and move. So I made this like very clear message to my dad that I need to stay here and somehow he believed me and I thought this is amazing. My dad's going to put me up with my friends and I'm going to live with my friends for six months and he was like, Sorry, that's not happening. <laughs> so Calm down, friend. Right. So instead, I spent six months uh, living with the man who took over the company from my dad. Oh, wow. Oh, how funny. And his mm-hmm. two sons. Wow. And his wife. Mm-hmm. And this, these people didn't know how to handle a girl. Mm-hmm. And so I was kept so strict. And I was rebelling a little bit, got myself in a little bit of trouble. You were like, what did I get myself into? Yes, they were so nervous to break me. Yeah. They were Mm -hmm. like, whoa, I'm taking care of my Mm ex-boss's daughter, Mm -hmm. and I can't break her. Mm -hmm. And so I had, I was very, oh, it was rough. And I thought, what did I get myself into? Your plans switched big time. Yes. Yes. So then I land in Florida, and... I end up in a high school that was extremely overcrowded. So instead of knowing who I am and finally knowing who I was kind of in, in Sweden, I'm now completely lost. And then there's a language barrier. Mm-hmm. And so then I am again the quiet, shy person mm-hmm. that I was before. How much English did you know when you came? I knew enough to understand everybody and I knew enough to speak, but I was so terrified of doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I also had, being the Swedish girl, there was a lot of guy attention. Stigma, yeah. And I was like, Swedish I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) And so I spent my entire high school hiding out in Miss Austin's art class. Oh, wow. Because I was my safe space and I had my my creatives there. Although there was this skater boy who was completely obsessed to take me (laughs) somewhere. And he said this word, rad, all the time. (laughs) And I didn't know what, what it meant. <laughs> what is he trying to say? He's so cute. Yeah, and then I decided to try saying it myself, and I said red instead oh, of rad. Yes. <laughs> he loved that. that. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, time to be quiet again, because oh, I just messed yeah. that one up. Oh, no. And the inner critic reigns down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really hard on myself then yeah. for a long time. But then... I found my space, I found my art people, and I felt pretty good. And then this one day, I end up on the beach on a half day, and I'm with my friend, who was taking complete advantage over me, by the way, and, like, driving my car. We had a Mustang convertible. And, like, this is a time where I still didn't know how to stand up for myself. So I had a lot of people that used me for things and kind of stepped all over me. That was kind of my thing. Yeah. And, but I end up on, on the beach and I look over and there's this group of guys hanging out and me and my friend started bumping the volleyball together and they decide to come over and play. And actually I was like, oh, you know, it's the first time I remember actually saying something I wanted. And because my friend said something about this tall, handsome guy. And I said, no, he's mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I think I ever like said anything Waste. that was like, hey, no. You can have the blonde one. You can talk to him and I'll talk to the tall, dark, and handsome. And now he's my husband, which is kind of crazy. Yes. So I met him really young. I was just in 10th grade and he was down on spring break. So we're one of those weird spring break couples. But it actually lasted, what, how many years? We got married in 04. What year yeah. was that that you you met him? Ninety seven. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that is. It's long so time. nuts. I've known him longer than half my life. Yeah, just wow. crazy. It's meant to be. Like, nope, yes. he's mine. Right, I claimed him, and I don't. I had never really done that before. That's amazing, Sarah. It seems like that's the moment where you stepped into your personal power, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, I did, and then I ended up moving up to New York to be with him and finish college eventually up there after having about three years of a um, long-distance relationship. 
But moving up to New York meant that I left my family pretty young, which left some tension between my younger sister and I because I think she found a lot of support in me when we moved to Florida. She felt lost, and she was a lot younger than me. She needed you in her mind. Like, she needed you to feel good and safe. Yes. And so when I left to be with Rudy, she felt abandoned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was tension that came up. And I was not even focused on it at the time because I was so focused on, I'm moving in with my boyfriend and I am engaged. And then kids happened, mm -hmm. three of yes. them in a very short time. I have, Summer's my oldest, she's almost 13. And then I had twins exactly two years later. So I was drowning in mommyhood and mommy overwhelm. And I had a husband who was very busy living close to New York and he working in New York and he traveled a lot. So I was alone and overwhelmed mom. And I kind of checked out on my family and I had this pool that I wanted to do more and be more. So I was focusing a lot on my daily life and surviving with three really tiny kids and being alone. And then I started writing books actually, which is kind of crazy. So I wanted to do something with all the information that I was picking up all day and just feeling so tired and so alone. Mm -hmm. I started writing books about little Brit throws a fit and that was my toddler and then I wrote about my twins and that's how I got through my days that was my outlet and they got me on this journey of wanting to be more than just a mom mm. and being okay with those thoughts and we were living in this really tiny space we actually had a two-bedroom apartment right outside of New York and we one bedroom was for summer and one bedroom was for the twins. And my husband and I, we pulled this air mattress in and out of the twins' room every night and every morning. And we slept in the living room. And I was so tired of that tiny space and just having a balcony. I had bigger dreams. I wanted more space. Mm. And I'm hearing about this place, Fort Collins. <laughs> and what I were was, you hearing? About it was the number one place to live. Oh, yes. I remember that list, like the top five places to live, Fort Collins, Colorado. Was How funny. Yes. yes. And actually, when we lived in Sweden, it was to Colorado we went to go skiing, which was something that felt so at home to me. Yeah. So I remember the first time coming to Colorado, I said to myself, I'm going to live here one day because this feels more to more like home than any mm. other place that I can think of. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So when I was all fed up and done with the space, I said to my husband, I said, can we just move to Fort Collins and live in Colorado? Oh, funny. Yeah, and he yeah. said, let me check. <laughs> <laughs> and he was working for a company that was flexible enough to let him leave. Wow. And work from home wow. for a while. Yeah, it was crazy. Yes. It's like so, the perfect, perfect yes. setup for you to get here. Perfect. He flew out here and found a house in one weekend. Wow. And we packed everything up and we drove all the babies across the country. Oh, my mm. gosh. How long did that take? A couple days. Yes. Yeah, geez. probably Good three days. Wow. Yeah, and it was crazy because it was a long trip. And we got here and we knew nothing. And we had to... Just start, start from fresh. scratch. Like navigate your way through the yes. city and like where everything is. What grocery stores? Yes. What am I doing? What bank do we use? Pediatrician. Yes. yes. So that, yeah, so we started here and it felt really good. And then out of nowhere, my parents get divorced, mm. which they've been together since they were 17. Wow. Did so, you feel like it was out of nowhere or do you feel like there was turmoil? I do because I had checked out. Ah, uh, you checked out. Okay. I checked out. Yeah. I left so young and I got busy with my own life. And when I found out my parents were getting a divorce and because of the way my dad was acting, I told Rudy we needed to go get her. So Who's we, her? Your mom. my mom. Mm -hmm. So we got on another road trip and my brother was graduating from an art school. So we went for his graduation with the three babies and I had my mom pack up whatever she needed and I told her to get in the car. Wow. And we drove her back to Fort Collins. Oh, wow. That's yeah. crazy. She just was like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Where were your, so your brother was still in Florida, and where was your sister? They were, actually, both my brother and my sister were with them in the house. Oh, okay. So they got to see all of this go down, and they have processed it more than I still have, because I didn't get to see the relationship crumble and where it went mm -hmm. and what the yeah. feelings were. Because my dad acted like a high school boy mm. oh. and it was a lot of pain yeah. and I just knew I needed to get my mom out of there so I left my brother and my sister with my dad which my sister did not appreciate mm -hmm. uh. 
and she has she had one boy at the time. And so about a year or so later, she came to Fort Collins as well. So now I had mom and my sister and her husband and son in Fort Collins, which was really exciting because I hadn't had family around for years. Yes. I had been with just Rudy and my kids forever. So I was really excited that I had everybody in place. So mom and my sister and her family got a house. So mom moved out of our house, which she had stayed with us for a year. And I had this really great image of this. I thought we were going to be together on Sundays and barbecues and get together for birthday parties and do sister things once in a while. Mm -hmm. And my sister had a completely different vision. She had this idea of that it would look like more of an open door policy. But I was so still in my overwhelmed mommy spot that I was like, I need to survive every day. I need to do my things and take him to the park and take care of my house and for my side of things, it looked like this was great. And I had a sister in town, and I'd see her more often than mm. before. But I think there was a lot of tension on her part and the way she was living her life with her husband, where it was more of an open thing. Sarah, so listening to your story with you and Hannah and knowing her side and yours, did you ever communicate how you guys were going to share your relationship, or did you guys just separately have these visions of how you were going to be? Yeah, we did not. Yeah. No, I don't think we were ever taught how to do that or showed how to do that. And I didn't know. And I think I was drowning in my own stuff mm -hmm. and I didn't see her yeah. and I didn't understand what she needed from me. And this is probably one of the first times when our relationship got a little rocky mm -hmm. where we would be going really well. We would have three months or something of it being smooth and fun and easy and then I would, I'm very intuitive. So then I would just feel this vibe from her mm. that I ticked her off. And mm. here I am again, trying to please. Mm -hmm. And so it turned into me a lot of, a lot of times doing this tiptoeing around mm. the emotions to not push her buttons, mm -hmm. to not trigger her or make her feel a certain way. And knowing now that I think that she had a lot of judgment or fear of judgment on mm. who she was and, and her son, and whatever it was. So even though I didn't have any bad intentions and I actually didn't ever think of her in any bad way ever, I always looked at her as this amazing mom and she was so kind and so great. So I never understood why I triggered her because she was one of the people that taught me to stand up for myself and that mom and dad just their visions are not always the right ones and that I needed to find my own voice. And that was such a big thing for me because I didn't have a voice for so long and I was trying to hide and not share anything about me because it didn't feel important. So she taught me to stand up for myself and then as soon as I did, I upset her and I triggered her. And so I was confused. Mm -hmm. It was because to me that you were changing and she maybe feared that you would leave her behind in your change and your growth. And your again, life. leave yeah, her again. Again, again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then we added two new kids to the family. So Hannah had another son, and I had my fourth. So he's now three and a half. And if, even though we had these new babies, our relationship continued to be on again, off again. And then about three years ago, Hannah found out that she had breast cancer. And it sucked because she is younger than me and she had two boys and she found out at Christmas time and it shocked all of us because we don't have cancer in our family. Where did this come from? And she ends up taking this blood test that nobody thought was going to come back positive. And it ends up, it came back positive that she carries this BRCA1 mutation, which gives you a high percentage um, chance of having breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So 80% breast cancer in your lifetime and 60% ovarian cancer in your lifetime. So the reason, the way you get it is from one of your parents. And it's a 50-50 chance to get it. And so we all had to get tested. My parents had to get tested. I had to get tested. My brother, my cousins, everybody. And it came back positive for me. Yeah. So I carry the BRCA1 mutation and I think the pain is that 
I found it because of Hannah. So she saved me. Because as she was fighting for her life, I got to save mine. I have had three preventative surgeries in the last two and a half years. I had a double mastectomy and a reconstruction. And I also took out all of my girly parts. Yeah. And it, there was a lot of pain and I had a lot of guilt because Hannah was getting sicker and she was getting really quiet about her journey. She didn't let me know how she was feeling. She didn't tune me into anything and she was hiding. Mm. And I felt this crazy pull that I needed to talk about it. And I needed to let people know what this was. And it was my whole self-love thing was bursting out of me. Like I needed to do something. Mm. But I was so used to being quiet and hiding that it was scary for me to be brave and talk about it. And as soon as I opened my mouth about it, Hannah, I got really hurt. It's almost like, again, you were stepping back into that personal power to heal yourself. Yeah. And then I couldn't. And so my, because I hurt Hannah, I ended up telling myself that it wasn't safe to talk about it, mm. that my journey was not important, mm. that even though it was really hard because I had to stop nursing my youngest and I had to change my whole body, I don't have, you know, taking off healthy body parts is really difficult because they weren't hurting me yet. And I took them off and I didn't save my nipples, so my whole feeling of who I was and being a woman was gone and I had to learn to love my body again and I didn't Mm. and I still don't have feeling in a lot of places and that's awkward I was just telling my husband that last night as we're laying in bed I was like you know I still can't feel my stomach yeah that's so crazy yeah I still have no the nerves are not healed yet and I can't feel things so when I have an itch I can't itch it wow it's really crazy so I had to go through this journey alone. I remember this one time Hannah said to me, I can't be there for you. Wow. I have to use all of my energy and time and focus on healing myself. And I understood it 100%. But I didn't know how to do this by myself. So the pain of her getting sicker and me saving my life because of her was so hard and so lonely. Because I couldn't talk about it. It was not safe. And that's how I found more tools and became really obsessed about self-love tools because I had to do this on my own. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And it was really sad because I got really quiet for a really long time. And I did, um, I actually ended up pulling my kids out of school yeah. for a whole year. And halfway through that year, Hannah passed away. And I knew that I needed my people around me because I couldn't do it completely alone. And then um, now when she's gone, like I've never dealt with grief before. And it shows up in the most random, crazy times and places. It, it's like a smell or something I remember or something I see. And I didn't, didn't know grief worked that way. And so I'm having to navigate that. So it's been hard. Feeling like my journey matters, learning that. I stopped doing a lot of the things that I did, like my love language of helping people. Mm, yeah. I, I quit doing that for a long time, and I'm just now starting doing that again. And Hannah, is her story is important, and her story was important, and she was a fighter and a warrior and so brave. Like, I can't even... Wow, I'm in awe of her. And there's a lot of things that I am thankful for. That how I got where I am. And now I feel free to speak. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's on my side. Like she has my back now. Mm-hmm. Like the morning she passed away, uh, she actually gave me a kiss on my third eye. I can still feel it and I can still see it. And I was like, no. And then she left with wings. And she like came and said bye to me. But I also feel like she gave me permission to speak. Because this one time when she was upset at me, she said to me, it's not time yet. Mm. You have to wait. You can't talk yet. Oh, wow. And I think now it's safe. It is safe. Can you share with us your how you found EFT tapping and your healing journey with that? It's so profound and so powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So EFT tapping 
was my safe tool that somebody shared with me when I was really struggling with not feeling like my journey mattered because everybody was paying attention to Hannah and they should, you know, my parents mm. and people around us, it was all about Hannah. But in the, in the shadow of that, mm. the surgeries I went through, I don't know anyone who goes through the same surgeries like this alongside your sister who's fighting. It's usually like a mother and then you find out the BRCA and then like maybe all the siblings get to be preventative together. Mm -hmm. But this is like such a crazy contrast. And there was so much guilt and pain and hurt and confusion in that. And somebody said to me one day, you need to check out Jackie McDonald and EFT tapping because you need, it's called emotional freedom technique. And she said, you need to free those emotions. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I need it. Yeah. And I did 10 sessions and it completely changed my life because it gave me a voice, gave me safe place to say my journey does matter. What I've been through is important and it was hard mm -hmm. and it is okay that it was hard and it got me where I am now and I just fell in love with the tool and I started using it on myself. I started using it with my kids. I started using it on anybody that I felt needed it and then I became a practitioner. That's amazing. And now that's my love language because it's so powerful but I stopped doing it for the year that Hannah was sick. I didn't feel like I could do it. But now I do. Mm. And I actually help a lot of breasties, we call us. Anyone who's either gone through um, that is a survivor or is a previvor. And I, I actually have a few people that are really dear to my heart that I do tapping with that are going through the stuff Hannah went through. Wow. And I do it because Hannah didn't let me be there for her. She didn't want the help and she stayed really quiet and private, like I said. And she, I wanted to do this for her and she didn't allow it. And so I am now able to do this with these other women because they're allowing me and it's so healing for me. So powerful. Yeah. It's, yes. So I can, I through them kind of healed part of mine and Hannah's relationship. Yeah. What a gift. Thank you. Yes, you are a gift. <laughs> what an incredible journey. Thank you. Yeah. Do some tapping. Do some tapping. Everything's okay. So Sarah, you are also known as the self-love fairy, which I love this outlet. Like you've shared, it's one of your biggest love languages. Yeah. Can you share that little journey or big, huge journey with the self-love fairy with us? Yes. I am such a fairy. <laughs> <You are laughs> and I have, I have trolls and fairies. Mm -hmm. My kids are my trolls and my fairies. And Summer, my oldest, she is my guide in everything. My journey with the self-love came from her anxiety. She had crazy anxiety in first grade. And she's become my, my guide, like my mirror, my, my way of knowing what to do next. I am so proud of myself for being able to listen and tune in mm -hmm. to what her needs are. And then being able to parent from a space of learning from her as opposed to me telling my kids what we need to be doing, which is okay sometimes too. But like I feel like in this journey, I needed to listen to her. And she gave me so much, almost like a thermometer. Mm -hmm. Not so much of this, mom, not so much of that, but like we're going to be at this temperature and I need this from you. And I just learned so much from her. And that's how I found essential oils mm -hmm. because I didn't want to do any medicine with her. I felt... I've always been weird about medicine. I've always mm -hmm. had really crazy migraines. And my husband was always like, why can't you just take a pill? And I'd say, because then I don't know how I feel. Yeah. And it just didn't, just didn't resonate with me. And it's so funny looking back now, that all makes so much sense. Mm. So we got into essential oils and it got me on this crazy personal growth journey. So Summer is doing great. She's in seventh grade now and she's great. And the oils help her. But I became obsessed with self-help tools. Mm. And I came obsessed with self-love because I understood that my cup was so empty. It was so hard for me to provide for my kids and for her through the anxiety mm -hmm. that I needed to fill my own cup. So I gave myself permission to go for a run. And I gave myself permission to sit still. And I learned about affirmations and meditation. And I learned that I'm the creator of my own reality, which is like, <laughs> Once I figured yes. that out, I was like, sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. I can do anything I want. 
I can create anything I want with my thoughts and it's so much power in that. So I'm now kind of crazy about helping moms and other people have some self-love in their life and Mm -hmm. drop the judgment, drop the comparison and just knowing that they are so okay exactly where they're at Mm -hmm. and all these self-love tools that I picked up like oils, like EFT tapping, like meditation and journaling or whatever Mm. it is going for a run for me is like major meditation Mm. well it's like when you find out that things are accessible and they're available and then being who you are and and wanting to share the message is what's important because a lot of us don't have you know everybody's different and some of us have this burning desire to share out what we've learned because you've had so many trials and tribulations and you Mm -hmm. did have to go through all the steps and work so hard to get all of this stuff Mm -hmm. and you know, not everybody has to, to work that hard to get it because there's people like you that will share yes. it in such a beautiful way with a really open heart. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty in what you do. Thank and you. I will say the EFT tapping is amazing. Yeah. You said it changed everything for you. It's it changed did. everything for me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing tool. Like I just said, you've had so many trials and tribulations. Most people don't experience the amount of, I mean, you can just call it pain that you have experienced in your life. And couldn't imagine losing a family member, a sister, somebody that you love so, so deeply, and you've still stayed so strong and true. What, what, if you could look at all of your experiences, what have you learned the most from or grown the most from, or what has propelled you into this person who does step into their power and, and, you know, recognize what they need to do for themselves and create this life that you're creating for yourself? How do you do that? Or what do you see being the biggest factor in that? Yeah, it's funny because everything brings me back to finding my voice in all of these things that's happened. And my biggest struggle has been that contrast between Hannah's journey and mine, that she was fighting for her life and I was saving mine. And I had to find that light within, Mm -hmm. that it was okay to still shine bright, even though Hannah was hurting and was in pain. Because my... Journey is my journey and it's okay for me to do it. And I ended up sending her so much love from where I was at. I learned so much about my inner power and that I can affect people even if I wasn't near them. So when Hannah was struggling and she pushed me away, I would send her love from inside me. And so I can't do that from a place of feeling lost and not seen and heard and understood. I had to find my own and get in my lane and raise my vibe so that I can heal her and help her heal. Because I remember telling her that if I continue to trigger you and you continue to be upset with me, I'm not helping you. Mm -hmm. And so I would step away and I would do my internal work instead. And I would go for my runs and I would think about her and I would send her love and I would say the forgiveness prayer and I would do all kinds of things from where I was at. And I couldn't do that from the place of not feeling safe. Right, and it's I'm hearing you say you, you changed your perspective and you did what you can do because we can't ever change someone else. Mm-mm. We can't change the way they think or what they do, but we can always change what we do and how we think. And so that will give you this new perspective, which you just described. Instead of living in the pain and the, you know, just the, the overall yuckiness of the situation, mm-hmm. you found your light and you let it shine out. And knowing Hannah as a friend and knowing you and the end of her life and the journey that you, you know, the end of the journey with her and you was so beautiful because she felt that from you and you did help her heal. And so you guys were able to heal together yeah. and getting to the place of you should share at the end of her life what you would do with her because it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, after New Year's, a bit over a year ago, she would not be able to get out of bed anymore. And so we would just hang out. And I would just come and sit with her in the bed and I would put oils on her and I would rub her back and I would just be there and be next to her. And she allowed it. Hmm. She would melt into that space and she would be okay with me just being there. And that was really healing for both of us because she allowed me. I All this whole time, I just wanted to be there for her and I wanted to show up for her and she pushed me away and at this point in her the end of her journey she allowed it Mm -hmm. and I was able to just sit with her and sometimes we would just be and sometimes we would listen to music and 
it was so so amazing well too. it's just an exchange of your like loving energy with each other and like you said that allowing is so huge mm -hmm. and it's an, it's like this understanding too where it's like yeah. you both know that it's okay and that's where you are and it's okay and it's being in those moments and not wondering about the things that have happened in the past mm -hmm. or you know it's like we so often live in the past mm -hmm. instead of the right now yes mm -hmm. and it was like you were allowing yourself to wholeheartedly like be heart to heart together yeah. you were letting go of all of your ego perceptions all of like what jenny said all of your past pains and mm -hmm. so beautiful and it just gives me goosebumps and brings tears to my eyes to like envision you doing that for her what a gift like you both were able to rise above and yeah. well and i yes. see in your eyes when you talk about it it gave you so much too it did because yeah it is well, she and, was strong yes. for both of us a lot of the times and then I got to be strong for both of us some of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like at the end of Hannah's journey, like I had this perception with, um, as you guys know, Louise Hay has been like a huge part of my life. And like I thought that I could blast Hannah filled with all of these affirmations to try to help her heal, 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 heal her body. And at the end of her life, I realized that her journey was more of an emotional and a relationship healing and then this huge spiritual healing. And knowing that everybody's journey is so different and healing is so unique. And mm -hmm. hers was deeply sad, but also so powerful for me. And knowing that we can't always heal the physical ailments of our body, but we can feel, heal our emotional wounds and just spiritually allow ourselves to, to connect to people. Yeah, and I, mm -hmm. I know too, she, she did do that. And you were a huge part of that. Just, yes. you know. There's a lot of things that Sarah did for Hannah and gave to Hannah and um, guided her, like the journal that she did and yeah. the conversations around that and her ability to, to be able to release some of the pain that she was holding in her body, which was causing her disease. And she had to mentally get to the place of saying, I'm ready to let it go. Surrender. And, you know, Hannah told me the last time I was with her that she needed this in her life. Yeah. And this is a young mother of two little boys. And we were actually watching her four-year-old baby running around at a park when she said that to me. And it was so powerful for me to have a person look at you with, you know, complete strength and honesty and love and say that sitting there, unable to breathe well, to walk around, to take care of her baby and say, I needed this in my life. And it's because her perspective was different at that point too. That was just a few weeks before she died. And her perspective was different. It was one of a spiritual understanding, I think, of what was coming next or what her journey was all about. And yeah. she gave so much to me, too. She changed my whole life. And, you know, as we've all three said now, she gave a and lot. brought us to, to Sarah. It is an incredible journey of how Hannah connected all of us. Because yeah, that over a year ago, we were not connected. And now I cannot envision life. Mm -hmm everyday life without you yeah it is same incredible it's crazy because i've had this thing on my vision board with these three girls <laughs> or is it four i forget but there's three or four <laughs> girls and they have their braids together and it was on my vision board because i've had because of this i i because hannah wasn't able to be there for me and i couldn't find the the support i needed yeah. locally i turned to instagram and this mm -hmm. is where i found the breasties and i found other previvors and i found that it was safe for me to feel like this was hard and that this was not easy and mm. it's okay for me to have all these all these feelings. And I got that from social media and the breasties for a long time while I needed it. But then I started craving it on a more sisterhood level, a local level, and I put this picture up on my vision board so that I could call in these sisters. And when Hannah passed... I connected with you guys, with Jenny and Shelly, because mm -hmm. I wanted to get to know Hannah from your perspective. I think I was craving to find out, was she happy? Was she okay? I wanted to see her in new eyes because this whole time I've been seeing her as this little sister who was just bugging me or triggering me or being triggered by me. And I mm -hmm. wanted to see her in a new light. And you guys just kind of took me in and it's become this amazing sisterhood where you guys are sisters and you took me in as your sister yeah well and it was again it was just I feel like so set up by her because yeah it I mean it just was it was yeah. set up by her in the weirdest way how we you said we needed each other and we did need each other and you said you wanted to hear 
her from a different perspective, and so did I. Mm-hmm. And it's also seeing you from in a different perspective. Yes, in a whole new light. Well, and it's yeah. well, it's funny because it wasn't ever really like you know ta- her talking bad about Sarah or the family. It was her feeling alone, you know, in her mm-hmm. own things because she had her her thoughts and her feelings that were yeah. trapped inside of her. Yes. Yeah. And so you know, it also she shared a lot with me about her life, but just even hearing it from your perspective in a, a family like dynamic is so interesting in a way that just sheds so much light on her disease and what yes. happened to her. And I always feel too that seeing you and seeing how you have processed things and how you've helped yourself, I feel so proud of you because I know you'll never be in a position to have these diseases or have these internal battles because you let them out and you do yes. these things like the tapping and share. all of the things and you share. Yes. And yeah. It is hard for you. It's hard mm-hmm. for you to share. And we mm-hmm. are sisters that have always shared. And I am the sister who's always, oh, you don't want to say it? Well, you better say it right now or I'm not going to leave. You <laughs> yeah. know, which yeah. is the raw Which is, is a gift yes. and a fault maybe. But I yeah. think, you know, I've been able to do that with you. And I mm-hmm. like appreciate your openness and willingness to do that. But it's yeah. also for you. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. Well, it feels also like Hannah also felt the same way you did as a child. Like she always felt trapped and she wanted to hold everything in. And she never stepped into her personal power and she never realized how strong she was, just how you I wouldn't say never. I think she did at the end, but it took her, she, I think at the end she did, but I I don't think that she, yeah, it was like she had to have, like when she said, I had to get this, this had to happen to me. It's like mm-hmm. she had to do that to be able to see, mm-hmm. oh, I do have this and I could step into it. But at that point, like you said, mm-hmm. you were throwing all these things at her like to try to help her heal. That was her healing. Mm-hmm. It was finally like, which is why I believe she was able to yeah. pass. pass well, and how she, her, I guess what I meant was how she always kept so quiet about yeah. it and how she almost like shamed you for wanting to share. But you're not the same. And that's what's mm-hmm. so beautiful about having sisters is we are not all the same and we all bring unique different talents and we have different feelings and emotions. And it's so incredible for you in your whole journey with the self love fairy. And you share mm-hmm. just your authentic, like all of the stuff, all mm-hmm. of the pain and you share and you've grown like a pretty substantial <laughs> following. And yeah. I know that people go to you because you have experienced so much and you just are raw and real. Thank you. I was you. just going to say that you're raw and that is yeah. important. Because and your you're person- not power is huge. Yeah. You're in it. Just keep thank you. staying out. I want to say, say thank you to you guys because I think one of the things that's really healing for me is being in a sisterhood with the two of you because you are sisters mm-hmm. and you're doing the sister thing a lot differently than Hannah and I did. Yeah. Whereas I tiptoed around her and I triggered her, and then I would pull away until she was ready to have me back again. Mm-hmm. And it caused this really crazy juggling where I would get so every time she sent me a text or I felt in my gut that she was stepping away from me for whatever reason, and I never knew what I did to do it. She never told me. Mm-hmm. And my husband would be like, You can't keep doing this, where you're getting sick. I was getting sick to my stomach. I almost threw up. Like it would be yes. a stab in the stomach every time Hannah said something because. It was so painful because I didn't feel like I was in that space with her. Mm-hmm. I wasn't playing in that same game with her that she was at where there was judgment and there was jealousy and there was all these things. I, I feel like I came from a place of love mm-hmm. and I feel like things were good until I felt this like, whoa, something, I did something. And then mm-hmm. I would get really sick to my stomach. But I've learned so much from you guys and it's so great, even though it's too late for me and Hannah, mm-hmm. it is not too late for my daughters. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the cool thing, I know you get emotional all the time. Okay. One of the cool things is that this can look differently. Sisters don't have to do this dance that Hannah and I did. Mm-hmm. And it can be beautiful and real. And it, you, you can navigate the different personalities and see it in love. And so one of the things that I've told myself is this ends with me. Mm-hmm. Bracket one ends with me. Mm-hmm. Even though I have a 50-50 to give it to my kids, I can have four kids without it. Yep. It ends with me. And sisterhood doesn't have to look the way it did for Hannah and I. Mm-hmm. Because I also have two aunts, two aunts on my dad's side that has done this. They mm-hmm. are not talking. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that until I got older. But this is a generational generational thing for us where sisters have this thing and it ends here. 
and I think well, that just having able to see that is mm-hmm. so amazing. Yeah, too. like having mm-hmm. you guys as a model, I know mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to look like that for my girls. Well, and it's mm-hmm. funny too for those of you that don't know, Australia and I are really different. Like we're so different. we're we're yeah. very very different, but it's like we love each other, and so it's okay to say how you feel and what you think and be heard and seen and also give that in return and be you accepting know? and open to yeah. receiving and giving you don't and... yeah and you don't have to be exactly like your sister to love your sister and to you know be there and supportive mm-hmm. and, and and it's not always like perfect and like fluffy it's not always fluffy that is for sure <laughs> and sarah you've actually experienced little you know we Tip-tops. we're just people we get in tips but <laughs> yeah. then we get over the tips and we say our thoughts and feelings yeah. and that's what makes it better sarah how do you stay motivated to continue this journey of healing and just sharing out what you know and what you do? I think my people-pleasing has turned into helping people find that self-love so that instead of me people-pleasing others and helping or trying to fix things, I'm giving them the power to do it. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So teaching them that it's in them, their light's in them, and it's okay for them to shine and take up space. Mm-hmm. And I think I have this crazy obsession about how it feels after I do self-love. So whether that's a run or whether it's me tapping on myself in the morning or meditating, I am just like on a high Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be without it. So I show up and I do the brave things because of the reward. Yeah, for sure. And it's like there's a reward that comes with helping people too. It's like at our retreats, we do the women's retreats. Mm -hmm. It's been so amazing at the end to have these women come and say like, this changed my whole life. You, you guys helped me so much. And it's funny Mm because I know all of us feel like we didn't do anything. You did all the work. We just helped hold the space and we allowed you a safe space to do these things. And I know, Mm, you know, that's that's, exactly what you mean. Yeah. That's what I I say that to whether my tapping clients, it's like, I'm just holding the space and you're doing all the work, Mm -hmm. but I have, this is my new normal now. And it's so crazy for me to believe this because I've been hiding for so long and I've been downplaying my power Mm -hmm. for so long, Mm -hmm. but I'm getting messages telling me that they can't be without me and the tapping because it does such a big thing for them. It, It changes their life just like it changed mine. And so I get to watch people find their light. I get to watch them like go judgment and step into their power mm-hmm. and live their best life because we all have we all have tools to do it if we use them. And yes. you're just being open to them and it's so easy to be open with you because you yes. do hold that space and give people what they need and what they want. That's mm-hmm. my affirmations are it's so crazy how my affirmations I've been using for so long. People are literally giving me those comments back to me. I love that. It's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. everybody feels good around me, and they get what they need from me, and those are the things people tell me, which is so powerful. It and a segue on the EFT tapping, like, what kind of people is EFT tapping for? Like, for our listeners out there who might not have any clue what it is about or something that they may be fearful about, what could you share with them? Yeah, I'm the crazy girl. I always say this in a good way. I'm the crazy girl that makes people say all their stuff and tap on their faces. <laughs> and what it does is that it interrupts this fight or flight response and you're able to have a better feeling thought and a better feeling thought. Mm-hmm. And it creates new pathways in your brain. And so you're able to see new possibilities and see things in a new light, which then you guys might understand why this was so powerful for me in this journey with Hannah and the contrast that I needed mm-hmm. to be able to say the things and feel the things and feel safe finding my light and finding my power. So it's for everyone. It's for the overwhelmed mom. It's for people with anxiety. It's for people who have childhood stuff they're holding on to that created blocks. It's for people who want more, want to be more, want to do more, and they have blocks and fears. Mm -hmm. You can literally tap them out. Which is for all people because we all have blocks and fears. Yes. Yeah, amazing. So I show up um, on our Facebook page, Hula Hope on Facebook. I show up twice a week and do free tapping because I want this out there in everyone's hands. And all you need is your mind and your fingertips. And you can tap with me. And then I have my one-on-one clients that come to me that get to voice the exact things Mm -hmm. that they need to voice, which is really powerful and one of my favorite works. Mm. So if one of our listeners wanted to contact you or possibly do some private sessions, how could they get a hold of you or learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, you can find me on Hula Hope. And you can also find me on Instagram as 
the self-love fairy. Because <laughs> that's love what it. I do. We're I actually just constructing a website, too, having a website constructed. It's going to be lovehulahope.com, www.lovehulahope.com. So, so excited. I know. <laughs> All right. And to wrap this up, Sarah, I want to ask you what the raw vision you hope for in the next five years. What is that? What does that look like for you? <laughs> I love this because raw is what we came up with for Hula Hope. It's the radiant, abundant woman. And I think about this a lot, and I use my tapping for this. I tap her in. And for the next five years, my raw woman, she is unstoppable, and she stays in her power, and she has the biggest light. She lives her best life, which means she's traveling all the time with her family. She's feeling good about herself and her body image, and she's strong and fit and toned. <laughs> she looks good in a bathing suit. She's sexy. She <laughs> does hope work all the time. So that means showing up with Hula Hope and doing courses and retreats and having this amazing office where she does lives and taps with her clients. And she's still painting and doing all kinds of creative work because that's her... That's her hard work. Mm-hmm. And Sarah is an amazing artist. For those <laughs> of you that haven't seen her art, check mm-hmm. her out. Her Facebook page or her Instagram is filled with beautiful art. Thank and you. Yeah, so nice. Yeah. So she's just she's powerful. She's doing her thing, and she's not shy about it. She's staying in her lane and her power, and she's helping other people do the same. I think that's one of my biggest thing is like. This people-pleasing has turned into that. Like I said, it's turned into like, how can I help other people find this power within them and shine their light? And it lights me up whenever I feel like I'm cracking somebody open. Mm-hmm. And when I see those yawns or the cries or the shivers that comes out from tapping, I'm like, I got you. Yes. And it's time for everyone to shine. Everybody has the right to stay in their own and feel good about their journey no matter what's going on around them. Mm. Thank you so much, Sarah. That Thank was you. really inspiring. All Thank of you. your story is so much. Wow. It's a lot to process and it's amazing that you have processed all of these things yeah. and your end ending as of now is so exciting. Thank like, you. Yes. So crazy. And so <laughs> I just can't wait to see how it all unfolds. It's beautiful. And I Thank will you. say I'm so grateful for you and sharing your authentic journey and just getting raw with us. You are going to help so many women and so many people all over the world. Thank you. Well, it takes a good sisterhood to help you feel like you are capable. Because even though we have the power inside of us and we know we have that light, Mm -hmm. it's so much easier when people have your back. And you guys have my back. Yes, and that's the perfect way to say goodbye for today. And we are so grateful for you and so happy that you're discovering success through sisterhood with us. If you loved our show, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Your feedback and comments mean so much to us. We'll see you back here next time.